Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Fan and the Critic. I am joined by my co-host, uh, as always, Paulo. And today we are actually joined by a special guest, uh, Kyle, from the podcast, uh, movie podcast, Kyle and Dave versus the Machine, uh, in our ongoing series of kind of interviewing other Canadian movie podcasters. So, Kyle, thank you very much for joining us here today. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Um, and for our listeners that haven't heard from you guys, uh, do you want to give us maybe just a quick rundown of the, the type of podcast you guys run, how you got into it, and where they can find you? Yeah, I would love to. So uh, I have run a few different podcasts in my time, and I've always wanted to have a movie podcast, mostly because I'm a white male over 30. So I feel like I should have a movie <laughs> podcast. And a good friend of mine, Dave Young, and I always like to make fun of each other because while we do share some similar tastes, there are certain things where we just split very, very vehemently uh, opposed and <laughs> what our likes and dislikes are. And I thought that would make a good outlook for a show. Uh, but the extra wrinkle that we decided to do is we created this fiction for ourselves. So within the fiction of the podcast, um, I have accidentally tinkered too much and created a machine that has become sentient. And in order to prevent it from initiating an apocalyptic event in the world, we must review movies from a certain year. So every season, we do a different year in film. So in our first year, we did the year 1999. So we just talked about movies from the year 1999. In our second year, we bounced all the way back to 1971. So we talked about a lot of early 70s films 1982 was last season and we're currently uh just over halfway through our season on the year 2018 so it's our most recent season uh from doing like a five-year retrospective and uh yeah we go through kind of our feelings on the movie our histories with it um what we kind of expect and then by the end of it we do come up with like does this still hold up and is it still culturally relevant that's basically our show in a nutshell and it's available pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts from all the big ones have it so apple spotify google and elsewhere so that is what kyle and dave versus machine is all about awesome yeah i thought that was a fun premise and especially when you guys started doing 2018 because Mm -hmm. it's not like looking at movies that are way in the past it's like i, I think for example like uh, into the spider-verse was one of those and then across the spider-verse just came out so like some of these are still going and it's like it's actually it's really bizarre i mean this is partly to do with like pandemic reasons but it is very interesting how many films we're talking about where their sequels are coming out this year so you'll see some upcoming ones like uh aquaman and uh uh, Mission Impossible and other stuff like that, where the sequels are finally coming out here this year, and we're talking about them from five years ago. Awesome. So, and then another thing that we always do for uh, for new guests to the show to introduce them to the audience is uh, we used to in the past ask to pick a movie and a character to introduce you as a person. We're switching that up this time um, and asked you to pick three movie characters that represent you as a person. Uh, what mm -hmm. did you come up with? So I'm so glad you gave this to me beforehand, or else I would have been like really trying to pull deep uh, in the moment. Now, I will say I'm somewhat cheating here because one of these is a TV character, but this is this is what I came up with. So 
I went with three different levels. I went with what character do I look like? What character do I sound like? And then finally, what character do I feel like uh, my my personality is drawn from? So who I look like is uh, Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's the chief. That's the TV show. Um, oh, I would that's say, a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as vocally goes, I do tend to sound a lot like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. And then finally, <laughs> kind of my you know, uh, spiritually, um, personality wise, I'm Fozzie bear from the Muppets. Nice. That is uh, quite the range of characters, but, uh, <laughs> is there any like particular, I mean, aside from the obvious <laughs> in mm-hmm. terms of Fozzie bear, is there any like other explanation that you want to give? <laughs> it's totally fine. If the answer is no as well. <laughs> no, I, the thing that I love about Fozzie bear is that he keeps trying, even though he fails all the time. But secondarily to that, he loves telling bad jokes. And that is also what I like to do in real <laughs> life, too. The more awkward it is, the better. I don't have two critics sitting up in like the stands making fun of me at the same time, which is nice. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to make a, a dumb pun if I find one. Awesome. <laughs> we embrace the bad jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So... The, uh, the topic of conversation for today, what we thought we would do is uh, we wanted to argue around what the, I think what we're calling either the best sidekick or the best supporting character in cinema is. Um, so we have a bracket. We, as a group, we've picked 32 characters that kind of fit into this category. I have four kind of subcategories of that just because there's different types of supporting characters. Um, we are going to kind of battle it out and argue what our opinions are. Uh, but before we went into that, I just kind of wanted to put you guys both in the spot and say, what is your criteria for what makes a good supporting character? Like, are you just coming at this from the perspective of these are the characters that added the most of anything to this movie? Or is it does it need to fit into a certain type of bucket for you? Yeah, I think a great supporting character is, first off, like memorable. Like you remember them being in the movie they aid the the protagonist or our, our hero along the way. And uh, I do like the way that you have like separated them out into these four main categories, because I think that there are different flavors of supporting character out there. I think the best supporting characters also have kind of like their own mini arcs throughout the movie itself, whether it's in, in um, tandem with our main hero uh, but I think the biggest one is, yeah, like, do, would this movie be worse without this character in it? I think that's kind of the biggest hallmark of what a great supporting character is. How about you, Paul? Yeah, I'm, I mean, as as I usually am on our podcast, I'm probably going to come at this from just all over the place, a few different um, <laughs> perspectives. I, there's some characters that I'm kind of attached to in terms of, like, preference. Um there are some that uh, I am going to like look at it in terms of what they add to the movie. And so it's, it's a few, di- like the, the range is going to be pretty wide. Um, I was also thinking of, uh, I don't know if you remember an, a scene from Ocean's Eleven. Um, it's a very specific scene, but um, Matt Damon, no, not Matt Damon, is uh, he's trying to, um, as part of the heist, he was going to like impersonate someone to, to break into the casino and um, Brad Pitt is like coaching him. 
uh, on how to be like a good imposter and you have to be like, you have to be friendly, but not too overbearing. You have to be mem or, uh, charming, but not too memorable. Right. And mm -hmm. that's kind of like how I'm looking at it. Um, especially for some of the, uh, the characters that the side characters that I, um, that don't resonate too much with me or some that I'm, I'm less familiar with. So yeah, it's going to be a mixed bag for me. <laughs> Yeah, for me, as usual, I'm, I'm going to be coming at this from a bit of a stickler perspective. Um, <laughs> for me, like a movie is about, it, it, there's a central story that's trying to be told. And for me, a good supporting character is one that is helping drive that story. Um, so maybe a little bit contradictory to you, Kyle, of saying like these people go through mini arcs. I'm, I'm not the hugest fan of some of these bigger universes where there's so many characters and so many different character arcs that they're trying to fit into one movie. Like, I love a character as like a storytelling device that it's, you know, what's the main story and how, how is the supporting character helping the main character or how are they helping tell that story? Like they don't need to be directly supporting their character arc in, you know, in opposition to them, they can also help the character get through whatever character arc the story is trying to tell, but it's really like, what does this individual contribute to what the main story that's trying to be told is? So it'll be interesting to see how some of those perspectives clash as we, uh, as we go through this. Um, Carson kind of looks at things like by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Carson kind of looks at things like uh, the machine from your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I sound like the machine too a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump into it. So, uh, as I mentioned before, we have kind of four subgroups of types of supporting characters. We have your action sidekicks, your comedic relief, your BFFs. And then another bucket, which is just kind of an other bucket, which has some mentors or some nemesis. Um, and so it's just, we kind of grouped some of the other characters that we couldn't fit into there. Uh, so I'm going to start with the action sidekick bucket first. And the way we're going to go through this is we have eight characters. Um, and, you know, we're going to tackle four at a time uh, to drink, drill this down to two. Take those two, battle it off, and have one action sidekick. And we're going to do that for each of the four buckets. And then we're going to have four, and we're just going to kind of vote those through at the end. So to start with the action sidekick, the first bucket that we have is Hit Girl from the movie Kick-Ass, John Watson from the Sherlock Holmes movies. I'm going to specifically call this the Jude Law John Watson. I was um, going to ask. <laughs> Chewbacca from all of the Star Wars movies, and Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. So. I will leave that off there. Maybe some initial impressions from you guys of things that, you know, definitely not or things that you're definitely going to argue for here. I, I'm going to jump in really quick here. Uh, as much as I love me some Ian Malcolm. Oh, geez. I can't. I didn't even say his name right. Um, Ian Malcolm. Um, I think just from an iconic standpoint, I think Chewbacca takes this one. Uh, just because, I mean, Hit Girl was a lot of fun in, in Kick-Ass. Uh, Kick-Ass 2, not so much. Um, <laughs> Uh, and John Watson, actually, he was a pretty good character. I think Jude Law did a, a really good John Watson. Not that I've seen any other uh, uh, movie uh, uh, representations of John Watson. But uh, yeah, just in terms of like being the, the penultimate um, uh, loyal sidekick over how many years and how many movies. Um, and just, uh, um, just a, a big fluffy uh, walking carpet. Um, I think Chewbacca is, is an easy one for, for him. I'm probably going to ultimately agree with you, but how I went through this, I kind of went through, went through it sequentially. Uh, Hit Girl is still kind of one of the main things I think about 
from Kick-Ass. Um, I still remember being super impressed with the first one. The second one I watched once and probably will never watch ever again. But like <laughs> the, the first one, I still remember her so much from there just because it was so, um, I don't know, like shocking to see just a young girl <laughs> yeah. go around and beat people up. I went to university and got an English degree like an idiot. But I still, I have an English degree and I actually read quite a bit of Sherlock Holmes. It's a, uh, the original tales and stories are one of my favorite things. And I'm a bit of a stickler here. It's not that I don't like the uh, Robert Downey Jr. films, but fundamentally, I just don't agree with making um, Sherlock Holmes an action star. That's not really mm-hmm. what he is. So I'm kind of disqualifying John Watson right from the from the get-go. <laughs> not that Jude Law doesn't do a good job. It's just like fundamentally disagree with how those films handle him, even though he's an old... He's supposed to be coming from... Um, uh, a military background that is what is t- true to his character chewbacca iconic um everyone tries to do like the growl roar thing <laughs> to this day so which is fun and jurassic park is one of my favorite movies of all time but like um and i love me jeff goldblum a whole lot but if we're looking at action sidekick specifically if it's seeing true to this category i have to go chewbacca too I, I was I was hoping this category wouldn't go in this direction because I'm <laughs> I don't want to vote for Chewbacca. I was actually really going to try to push the John Watson argument, but it sounds like mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm not going to be able to convince you on that one. No. Um, <laughs> like I I'm kind of the opposite with Sherlock Holmes. I understand that mm-hmm. what they did in those movies is nothing like what the character has ever been, and obviously even when you watch the TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch, you see kind of like yeah. the better version of that. But I like the John Watson and Sherlock that they had for those movies, even if it's not Sherlock. I just like them as their own characters is what they did. I like, um, oh, I can't remember the director's name, Guy Ritchie. Um, I like all of his movies and his style. And so even though that's kind of, I, I usually don't like turning people into action characters when they don't deserve to be, but I, I really wanted to fight for John Watson. I will reluctantly get on board with Chewbacca, but I'm not super <laughs> stoked about it. They, they Star Trekked it. They Star Trekked, um, right. uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes for that for that remake, but yay, celebrate for Chewbacca. <laughs> okay. And now let's see who he'll be going against in the Action Sidekick semifinal. So our second bracket for Action Sidekick is Zeus Carver from I believe Die Hard three, two or three, three, three. Um, Gun from is it Tampopo? I can't remember mm-hmm. pronouncing that right. Uh, Doc Holliday from, oh, I should have written the movie now it's down. This is one of your favorite Tombstone. movies. Tombstone. Tombstone and Inigo <laughs> Montoya from Princess Bride. Um, I will say right off the bat here, I am not super passionate about any of these characters. Um, I will lean in a certain way, but I will uh, leave it to you guys to maybe convince me otherwise. Well, I mean, I actually do like all of these movies. Um, <laughs> I, I will say... Uh, what what pushes it over the edge here for me is that uh, the Princess Bride happens to be like one of my favorite films of all time. So Nigo Montoya is probably going to be top of my list. Um, but I, but but just to go through these here again, Tampopo. If no one out there has seen it, really worth a watch. It is such a fun movie uh, and will make you very hungry for ramen specifically. And it's so it's it's a great great film to to go and watch. Uh, Doc Holliday is iconic, and of all of the Die Hard, Die Hard sequels, three is the best, like hands down. Um, 
and is like a good movie in its own right. Even if it was not a sequel, I think it's a good movie. So my vote personally would be Inigo Montoya with uh, with Zeus coming up a very, very close second. This one's tough for me. Uh, Zeus and, and Doc Holliday are probably neck and neck for me. I, I, I regrettably have not seen uh, Tampopo, so I can't, I can't speak on it. Um, and we're going to differ. I mean, Princess Bride, I, I get like, I get why everyone loves it. I've just never, it's never really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had only watched it for the first time, like maybe five years ago after just hearing all these, like all the, all the references about it. Um, and like, uh, you kill my father, prepare to die, all that stuff. Like I've heard every single reference of Princess Bride before I actually watched the movie. So Inigo Montoya is like, I, I get that he's probably a very, he's a, he's a legendary character, but I think just my own love for uh, Die Hard and um, Tombstone, especially mm-hmm. Kyle, I don't know. I don't know if you know, but for as long as I've known Carson, I've been trying to get him to watch <laughs> Tombstone. Oh, you have not seen Tombstone? And this was my chance of, you know, doing episode oh, prep for this. I should have, and I still did not watch it, no. Uh, as, um, sorry, as a complete digression, have you seen the uh, the Val Kilmer documentary? I did, and I... Oh, so it's... I have conflicting feelings on that documentary, because on one hand, it's yes. a really interesting look, but you can also tell that he had it's very edited. one-sided. Yeah, um, no, and there's sure. like, but, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say there's like a beautiful moment where um, he gets to experience people um, uh, watching, <laughs> uh, watching that movie, um, which is kind of fun to see the behind the scenes of that. Yeah, there, there's definitely some uh, heartwarming moments of that documentary. There's a few moments where, as I was saying, like it kind of feels a bit one-sided because he's he's talking about his movies and then he's like, oh, at some point here, my wife got upset with me not being around. It's like, well, there's probably some part of that that you deserved, yeah. but like... I mean, yeah, he, he really brushes some of his own actions under the rug, which is, which is interesting to see. But not to take away from the character <laughs> of Doc Holliday, mm-hmm. um... And now that we've talked about it a little bit more, I think I'm just going to fully throw my head in for Doc Holliday. Just because, I mean, it kind of goes against the, uh, this might work against me and how we talked in the beginning about how side characters shouldn't really be like overbearing on the overall movie. Um, I'm disregarding that completely. I think even though he stole, I, I feel like he stole the show uh, in Tombstone. Um, I just, the the charisma and just the, uh, the the character of uh, of how he played Doc Holliday, I think he wins this one. I think if I had watched the movie, I'd probably agree with you, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's hard for me to vote for a character I haven't watched. I am with you that I do not like Princess Bride, um, even though I usually like <laughs> a lot of that type of humor, and I'm surprised I don't like it. So I'm kind of against Inigo Montoya. I I can throw my hat behind Zeus Carver. And I think that would be your other, you guys' number two. So I would, yeah, I would suggest that one. Um, unless there's any large, uh, unless you want to make an argument here, Paula. Oh, if you man. can tell me I about mean, this character and convince me in like ten seconds, maybe. I will. Okay, I will. I will relent if you promise to watch Tombstone for the first time in the next uh, month. I I can commit to that. It's about time. <laughs> okay. We got All the right. personal stuff out of the way on this one. 
And I'm sorry for for ambushing you, uh, Kyle, on on uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to be wrong. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a whole other episode out of this out of this one. <laughs> All right, so let's finish off the action sidekick bracket: Zeus Carver versus Chewbacca. I think you guys were a little bit more passionate about Chewbacca than your Zeus Carver arguments. Is are you guys gonna try to go Zeus, or are you gonna push for Chewbacca? Oh, no, I mean, at, at a certain point. I don't know. I'm I'm probably going to go uh, contradict myself later on in this episode, but <laughs> for now, I'm going to say like uh, being iconic does have to go pretty far for you. So I I would have to maybe put Chewbacca. I bet you anything. If you said the name Zeus Carver to most people, they'd be like, "What?" It's like the the you know Samuel L. Jackson from Die Hard Three. They'd be like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him a lot." <laughs> The, the one thing I will give Zeus over Chewbacca is that he was a lot, he's obviously a lot more entertaining to watch. Um, like just him and Bruce Willis going back and forth uh, throughout yeah. that movie. It's a lot more enjoyable than seeing Chewbacca do what he does. I mean, granted, sure. Chewbacca is not given a lot to do. You, you can actually and, understand what he's saying. And that, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, the the joke about everyone understanding Chewbacca, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on uh, or who they are is uh, it kind of gets, it's old after the 15th Star Wars movie. Um, but do you, this is, I mean, I think everyone knows this now, but just in case, do you know how Die Hard 3 started, like originally as a script? I do not know that. It was supposed to be, um, gosh, like the fourth or fifth. Uh, oh my, I'm just, uh, Oh my God! The one with uh, with Mel Gibson and lethal Danny weapon? Glover, Lethal oh. Weapon. It was a Lethal Weapon movie that didn't get made, and so they just rewrote it to be a Die Hard sequel instead. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. That's actually pretty. Yeah, that's and it kind of makes sense. He does. Once you know that, it's like, oh, he's just being Danny Glover. That's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. I I, I, I would love to... to not vote for Chewbacca. I think like. <laughs> I think Chewbacca is a character in a good movie. Like everyone loves the original Star Wars movies. Um, as much as I like to shit on them, like they're fantastic movies. Chewbacca is more of like an emotional piece to the movie. It's like, oh, when he does the the sad growl, then it's like, oh, you feel sorry for him, and he's trying to help like carry a bit of the mood, but he's not really a character. That said, I have a hard time voting Zeus Carver over him, so. I might reluctantly go ahead with Chewbacca, but I, I don't want to. Yeah, I was doing my best to convince myself otherwise, but I think it's a Chewbacca is gonna cakewalk. If if it was Doc Holiday, honestly, against <laughs> Chewbacca, I would one hundred percent pick Doc Holiday. <laughs> you would shoot Chewbacca? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would shoot him and I'd shoot him again. All right. Um but yeah. Are we going Chewbacca then? All right. Mm-hmm. I think so. That is our first bracket. Next bracket is going to be our comedic relief. Uh, there's a lot of animated characters here. Our first uh, of four characters, uh, one of these is kind of cheating. But technically five. Yeah, yeah technically five. <laughs> uh, so the first is Genie from Aladdin. The other is Timon and Pumbaa as a combo uh, from The Lion King. Um, we have Mushu from Mulan and Donkey from Shrek. What do you guys feel? I do think it's kind of cheating to put Timon and Pumbaa as their own separate thing. So for me personally, again, love the Lion King. I just feel like 
that's too much of a cheat for me to cross. It has to be one or the other. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I find Mushu to be like just the worst or a oh worse version God. of Donkey. God. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, if we're gonna take uh, um, Eddie Murphy characters, Donkey a thousand percent for for me. And then it's just up against uh, the genie, which definitely iconic. One of Robin Williams is like most famous roles. Uh, I don't know. This is a, to be really honest, it's kind of a coin flip. I probably err towards genie um, with Donkey as my second. Myself, I I straight up hate like all of these characters. <laughs> so oh wow. Um, <laughs> Like these characters, I, I understand that like part of it is supposed to be humorous by being annoying, but for me it just comes off as being annoying a lot of the time. Um, I kind of end up breaking my own rule. Like at the beginning, I was saying I want a supporting character that contributes to you know the actual character of our story, and the one that I'm going to vote on is the genie, which in my opinion kind of does that the least. Like he's more of just like a standalone entertaining character that props up the movie just by his own like just Robin Williams being Robin Williams. Right. Um, but the other characters, even though they are better at supporting the main characters, um, I'm probably just going to have to go with the genie because it doesn't annoy me as much as the others. Look, I mean, it's it's really just Robin Williams doing stand-up, right? That's um, exactly what it was. They just took <laughs> a bunch of his audio recordings and made a character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I'm personally hurt by the attacks on Mushu. Um, <laughs> Mushu, I, I think, is probably, I, I mean... I'd, I could care less about... Okay, no, that's a lie. I like Timon and Pumbaa. Um, M- Mulan is probably one of my favorite Disney movies um, for obvious reasons. Um, and Mushu, like, I just remember the the hours of 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 laughter as a child <laughs> um, that I would get from, from watching this movie and just uh, Eddie Murphy doing his thing as Mushu. And I think it still holds up. I don't care what you say, Carson. Um, Mushu, I, I think, is like Donkey is supposed to be annoying. Mushu is, I mean, a little bit annoying, sure, but I think he was still funny. I just, I, it's the the if it's the the nostalgia um, that that really um, drives this for me. I mean, Timon and Pumbaa also have a special place in my heart. Genie, I didn't really, I, I didn't really care for Aladdin too much um, growing up. And um, uh, I think Donkey uh, was a little, he, he, he played annoying a little too well. Uh, and that's the only one where I feel like I was annoyed by the character. But I, I can't, there's no one I could pick aside from Mushu. And I don't think it matters because I believe you both picked Genie. <laughs> and this is good. I, I still like a lot of the music from Mulan, but uh... To be honest, I have not rewatched that movie in probably, oh gosh, 15 to 20 years. <laughs> so it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I I think Mulan holds up. I could do Mulan without Mushu, though. Mulan, I think, um, oh my god, I just took in what you said. <laughs> I guess I was trying to make another point, and I, <laughs> I am even more upset now. <laughs> um, but... Like I don't, I can't even believe you, Carson. the 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 whole reason why I don't like the the live action Mulan, there aside from it, all the other problems with it right. is that there's no Mushu. 
I, that's I'm gonna leave it at that. That's how strongly I feel about. They, they don't sing "Make a Man Out of You." That's the real problem. That, okay, you know what? Those are like those are tied for the the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the biggest problems around Mulan. Uh, I'll be honest. I forgot that there was a live action Mulan movie. So I think most people <laughs> did actually. I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think we're going genie with this one. Although I feel like I am reluctantly going along with a lot of these choices. So I'm going to have to like decide to get passionate about something here. Um, <laughs> probably not going to be this next category though. Um, second half of our comedic relief is C-3PO. Um, there's also R2-D2. For some reason, we combined Timon and Pumbaa in the previous group, but we've split out C-3PO and R2-D2 into this say. category. Uh, we have Mona Lisa Vito from uh, My Cousin Vinny and Cosmo Brown from Singing in the Rain. So that is quite a diverse group of characters there. Um, first off, just as a, as a sidebar question for the two of you, of the two droids, who would you pick? Like, are you a C-3PO fan or an R2-D2 fan? Like, if you had to pick. I'd go R2-D2 just because I hate C-3PO so much. I was going to say, I don't know if, does anyone like C-3PO? And I don't know if this is where you're going with this, Kyle. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But... I was going to say, I'm, I'm totally team R2-D2. Okay. His little bleeps and bloops are always so funny to me. Uh, yeah. That being said, I'm actually going to vote for the movie that uh, I don't think either of you are going to go for. Have either of you seen My Cousin Vinny? Yes, a long I watched time it in high school, during class. <laughs> it is so funny. It is one of my favorite favorite performances by Marissa Tomei, who quite famously won an Oscar for that role. And for years, people had this conspiracy theory that someone read out the wrong name, <laughs> and they just gave it to her. Which we have found out since then that that's not what happens if you read out the wrong name at the Oscars. Um, I am of the opinion that she's deserved two Oscars for that role. I think she is that <laughs> good inside of it as just playing a ditzy, really, really funny character. So um, I'm picking Mona Lisa uh, Vito for this one, even though um, I don't think I'm going to win this round. I'm actually picking Mona Lisa Vito as well. Yeah, really? I'm, oh, wow. yeah. I'm going to agree. <laughs> um <laughs> Like for all the like all the reasons why we picked Chewbacca, I'm going against picking R two D two like as iconic as he is. Um, I we we get one. Star Wars gets one, not not two. But also R two D two is I feel like he's more of a plot device than a character. Yeah. As like as lovable as he is, he's super cool. Um, also not to mention the fact like his existence doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, with the uh, in terms of the prequels and uh, oh, um, don't even get me started on the prequels. I get yeah. so angry. I get so angry. But um, the my this this is kind of a hot take. I think you could still make Star Wars without the droids being there at all. You could, uh, whereas I think Chewbacca is actually more more of an essential supporting character through that original trilogy. I think R2-D2 in the original trilogy was a good contribution, especially Dagobah. Dagobah R2. Sure. I think that was kind of his peak, but you know the prequels and the sequels and every other character that's just propped him up way too much, uh, kind of ruins him. So I'm kind of factoring in like the entire catalog there and saying sure. no to R2, uh, which is why I'll, I'll get on board quite easily with uh, Mona Lisa Vito. Cool. Wow. <laughs> that's kind but of he, a surprise, but... He, here's the big one. question then for the comedic relief. Robin Williams' Genie versus Marissa Tomei's Mona Lisa Vito. Well, I didn't even like Genie to begin with, so <laughs> yeah, this, you know where I'm this, going. This might be some people might be going to send in some letters here to you. <laughs> but having 
I'm, I'm going to say recently, sort of recently rewatched Aladdin. I think it was last year that I did a rewatch of it. I still liked it, but it is very dated. It is very dated in so many ways. And I'm a Robin Williams fan, but like if I'm looking at the two performances, I, I'm going with Mona Lisa Vito, Marissa Tomei. I think she's a funnier character. I mean, on that note, like to kind of get sidetracked a bit, but like a lot of Robin Williams's comedy yeah. um, probably wouldn't fly today. Like I, I remember just watching, uh, rewatching Good Morning Vietnam yeah. um, the other day. <laughs> um, and I was like, I mean, this is this is good. It's funny. But I mean, it's a good thing Twitter hasn't found this movie uh, yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, I, I mean, again, I'm a little sidebar. I think it's going to be fascinating in that I think a lot of Robin Williams's dramatic turns are going to stand the test of time more so than his comedic turns. Even though oh, yeah. when I was growing up, he was far more well-known as a comedian than he yeah. was a dramatic actor. A hundred percent. I mean, I remember uh, burning CDs of, of his bits sure. yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, all that aside, uh, I think it's the easy one for Mona Lisa Vito, just from my heart, mm-hmm. from my high school heart. I, I will agree because as I said, I wasn't super passionate about the genie or really this entire category, all eight of these characters. <laughs> so I will, I will go with the flow on this one and we will have, uh, Mona Lisa be the champion of this category. Carson doesn't like fun. Is what it comes down to. <laughs> That is a reoccurring theme of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um all right our our next category which i feel like i like just about every character in this so i'm gonna i'm gonna actually be passionate about something here is our bff category um maybe debatable whether some of these are bffs or not but our our first four that we're looking at are ron weasley from harry potter sam wise Gamgee from lord of the rings uh wayman wong from everything everywhere all at once and hermione granger from harry potter i'll put my cards on the table and say right now sam wise Gamgee, 100 all the way I mean, it's tough to argue against that one. I think I, I, I love, I love Waymond Wong just for everything he stands for, and even mm-hmm. like past the character himself, uh, just the movie and the man. Um, but I mean, Samwise Gamgee pretty much saved Middle Earth, uh, single-handedly because Frodo uh, was didn't used. Pretty much, he he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, sure, okay, Frodo took like all the 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 evil of the ring. Sure, who cares? Um, Sam went, like, well, Sam well, carried him up the mountain. Back. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I mean, that's an easy one for me. I wish yeah, Waymond Wong a, was in another category because Waymond Wong yeah, is like a that. fantastic I'm, character. I I am such a fan of the actor James Hong. Uh, anyways, I just love it when he shows up, uh, in movies. So, um, Oh wait, sorry. Am I getting it wrong? Mm. Waymond is, is this, the, the husband. Is this key, key boy Kwan? Yeah. Or is this... Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'll remove that from the episode, but no, I love <laughs> I love this being the, the reemergence of key boy Kwan into, into films. I'm just so glad that he's kind of back making movies again. Um, I was for a time, a huge, Harry Potter fan, and that has very much been um, lessening as the years go by for a whole host of different reasons. Uh, one of the bigger reasons being how awful those Fantastic Beast movies are. But um, oh yeah, I have to go with Samwise Gamgee too. I mean, again, as a, as a BFF category, he's like at the top of the list. And uh, this is another rewatch I just recently did here at the beginning of the year. Rewatched. The, the trilogy again 
And uh, I think it's actually kind of a crime that Sean Astin wasn't recognized more for his performance in that in that movie. Yeah, you know what? I never thought about it like that. I mean, we all love those movies. I mean, most of us do. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, no recognition for uh, for for Sean Astin. And no, for the uh, the record, like 11 Oscar wins that Return of the King got. It was no acting wins for that. Yeah, for that movie. That was kind of like like Lord of the Rings was kind of rare at that time because you're now starting to see more movies get Best Picture that are the, kind of the less conventional. But at that time, like those movies did not get in the Oscar picture. Right. So even the fact that Lord of the Rings was winning that many, like I think everyone was surprised about. But it still doesn't surprise me that the actors didn't get the full credit at the time because they just they weren't seen as Oscar type performances, even though yes, fantastic performance. Um, but I think yes, everyone gives uh, Wayman Wong a solid number two on this one and wish he could go on oh, yeah. further. Um, second half of this category is going to be Bubba from Forrest Gump, Cal Naughton Jr. from Talladega Nights, uh, Cameron Fry from Bueller's Day Off, and Garth from Wayne's World. <laughs> um, personally, I think Cal Naughton Jr. is a very underrated character and that entire movie is extremely underrated. Um, so even though there's some heavy hitters in this category, I'm going to place my cards for Cal Naughton Jr. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. Um, I have to give that a rewatch. Uh, there's been a few people now that have done have told me that I should go back to it because it's it, it holds up in, in many, many ways. So my this might be another hot take, although not so much online anymore. But uh, <laughs> um, I don't hate, but I've never I've also never loved Forrest Gump all that much so uh i'm not uh i'm probably not gonna throw my full weight behind that character i do love ferris bueller's day off though quite a bit um but i don't know i'm, I'm caught between two two choices here because again if i'm just looking at the category of bff here and and garth definitely i think fulfills that category pretty pretty well it's been so long since I've seen those movies. I think my nostalgia goes back to seeing the original skits on Saturday Night Live more than the movies themselves. Hmm. So I'm going to go with Cameron Fry. I'm going to go with Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, man, this is tough. This is probably the character, uh, the the category that, I mean, they're all good characters. I like all of them, but I'm not, I'm not particularly, I don't particularly like any one of them more than the others. Right. <clears throat> Uh, uh and i mean it is between like the two that you've picked i don't want to have this power <laughs> <laughs> i don't <laughs> you must wield it yeah um god i wish sam sam wise could could help me out here um <laughs> uh, yeah I, i'm i'm not gonna argue for bubba or garth um garth would i i kind of found garth to be kind of annoying to be honest mm. um uh i mean bubba is an icon but I mean, it's it's fine. <laughs> um, I really, I probably did enjoy Talladega Nights more than anything. Um, mm. And I, I like Cal, but like as a BFF, he kind of, he kind of s- stole Ricky Bobby's family for a little while. <laughs> um, it's not the category Cameron... for who's the best BFF. It's the best <laughs> sidekick in a category of BFFs. I know, but I mean, even as a sidekick, that's not a great. <laughs> Do you remember the slingshot great, uh, move? 
Do you remember how yeah. he got to do the slingshot, the reverse at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are good points. I mean, Cameron Fry. Um, he, oh man. Garth would have been my number two on this one. I actually quite like Wayne's World. That just brings me closer to Cameron Fry, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I need one. Give me like, give me one reason for for either one. Between between Cal Naughton and Cameron Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Fry destroys a car at the end, so that's pretty badass. <laughs> I don't know how that solves his problems with his father. If you really look at the <laughs> the arc of that movie, that's probably going to not be the greatest thing when his father comes home. Yeah, I don't know how to and fight. And he for doesn't a car. steal his best friend's girlfriend, so maybe <laughs> slash wife. So maybe that's and, a point and in children. <laughs> he gives them back at the end. I think I can't remember. <laughs> Like possessions, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to fight for for Cal Naughton too much. I'll just say, like that movie was more dramatic than it ever should have been. Not to say that it's really that dramatic, because it's still a pretty goofy movie. <laughs> but just like all the, all the shake and bake stuff and the the slingshot and him being like like him actually having a character arc from being just the guy who totally supports uh, Ricky Bobby to the guy who ends up being like you know the better friend and you know has a little mini arc of his own and having confidence throughout the movie. That's all I'll throw in. Okay. 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 I think I've made up my mind. Um, even though Cameron Fry probably gave me the, the, the bigger laugh between the two movies um, and uh, in, in Talladega nights um, I had, had more, but not necessarily the biggest. And with the full knowledge that uh, this person is going to lose to Samwise Gamgee anyway, <laughs> I'm going to pick Cal Naughton Jr. I'm going to throw you into a microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, we don't need to argue too much about this because we're all agreed that Samwise wins this category, right? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Oh, you're just going full ahead with it. Yeah, I I mean, do you want to argue for Cal Naughton? No, no, no no one's going to. I'm not going to even make that argument. No. Um, all right, and this this last bucket is going to be maybe some interesting conversations because we fit a lot of other type characters in here. Um, so first uh, of four characters, we have Tuco from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I think he's the infamous ugly character. Um, Sonny Corleone from The Godfather, Tyler Durden from Fight Club, and Morpheus from The Matrix. Um, I'll say my initial thoughts is the, there's a big difference between characters I liked versus good at being supporting characters in this group because i really like morpheus and i really like tyler durden are they supporting characters or not i think you can make an argument that it's like they're almost like their own standalone characters um co-leads in some cases yeah and tuco is a fantastic supporting character but he's much more kind of on the edge than some of these other characters are yeah this is like a, a, a category of heavy hitters like these four here um Actually, that's a really good point that you just bring up here as far as like, I honestly would consider Tyler Durden the co-lead of the movie. Like, I don't actually even consider him like the the supporting character. So he might get disqualified just on a technicality in that case. Uh, Love Tuco. Morpheus is iconic. Um, Sonny Corleone gets a 
spoiler alert, uh, gets uh, riddled with bullets at the end. <laughs> so that's a cool, iconic scene. Um, for me, it's down to Tuco and Mor- Morpheus personally, just as like good supporting characters go. And uh, as The Matrix is, again, one of my uh, favorite movies of all time, I'm probably going to lean more towards Morpheus for this category. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm I'm leaning towards Morpheus. Actually, not even leaning. I'm I'm just fully throwing my head into it for Morpheus. Yeah. Um, he's. I mean, the only non non the one character who actually <laughs> killed an agent. So you know, I mean, oh, that that's got to yeah, count yeah. for something. Actually, that's wait, true. no. I think Trinity killed one at the end. She got one in, under the buzzer. Um, yeah, I, I think I was similarly between Tuco and Morpheus, and I think. I like Morpheus more of a character. It was more that question of whether he's a good supporting character. And I think you can justify him just enough as like supporting Neo's character um, that I can say like, okay, he, he does count as a supporting character and it's a pretty awesome performance. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go Morpheus as well. I think he's like the easy, easily like a, a, just the epitome of a supporting character like just a really good one though i mean he doesn't he's not the the story does not center around him in any way he's completely in support of like just the 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 function of his role is in support of the main character who's neo i mean it's that's uh i think that's a pretty cut and dry for me cool and then in our second of this other category, we have Doc Brown from Back to the Future, Dr. King Schultz from Django Unchained, Thing from the Adams Family, and Klaus from The Life Aquatic. Mm. Which is a very random group of characters here. <laughs> very random. Yeah. No rhyme or reason really at all. So I, I have absolutely zero connection to any of the other movies aside from Django Unchained. Um, so, um, maybe unpopular opinion. Um, I'm, I'm picking Dr. King Schultz. It weirdly enough, I've never seen back to the future. Any of them. Oh, you're killing me here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a strange statement for someone who has a movie podcast. Um, and, um, I, Carson and I have had this argument before. I'm not a huge fan of, um, uh, not just the life aquatic, but that whole genre of of movie sure. <laughs> um so i i, I mean i do like life default. aquatic um i'm not going to pick klaus but you know i like life aquatic uh he, the weird thing is that so the adams family if we're just talking about the movies without getting into all the other media that they've been a been a part of um thing is uh, sorry uh, adam's family values the second one i think is like way better than what the original movie is it's one of those rare sequels i think is like like supremely better than the original um but i, I, I don't know i've never been a fan of of thing in that in those <laughs> movies uh it is what it is they use them uh sparingly so it's not like it uh, takes over the movie um okay Time for another Kyle hot take here. Um, I like Quentin Tarantino. There is only one film that he's made that I actually outright hate, and it's Django Unchained. I <laughs> oh. really hate that movie a lot. <laughs> um, <Reasoning>? so, <laughs> he, 
uh, reasoning, I think you can tell. So his very long time editor died right after Inglorious Bastards and before Django Unchained. And I think you can tell. I think that movie is not only badly edited, but just is in such a need of like 10, 15 minutes just taken out of that movie completely. Like his previous one just understood how his writing worked and how to cut to his his writing beats. And I don't think that's ever been uh, come back again. And um, I, I don't know. The performances I wasn't even that impressed with, except for like the one scene with the... Um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio when they're at the plantation and stuff like oh, yeah. that's iconic for for a reason but otherwise I just was not into into that movie whatsoever um, and this is from a guy who will go to bat for Jackie Brown which I think is one of his best <laughs> and most people don't agree with me but uh, so that being said I have to go with Doc Brown only because uh, Back to the Future is like in my personal top 10 like I like it that much I can't. It's hard for me to to argue for uh, Doc yeah. Brown, who I've only seen in Rick and Morty. Is basically how you most people know him now. <laughs> yeah, for for me, I was just happy to get close on the board here. Uh, that was my contribution to our list, and I don't think I'll I'll even vote him through this round. I just wanted to get in the conversation. Um, Django Unchained. I don't. I'm probably right in between you guys. Like, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Like. It, I think that was right after his performance in Inglorious Bastards, right? And so yeah. it, it kind of a lot of people were, you know, he was like the hottest shit in the world at that point. Like everyone loved mm-hmm. his characters. I, I thought it was okay. Um, I, I've seen Back to the Future. I don't love Back to the Future. I think it's a little like, like, and maybe it's, that's just like I missed the timing on it, but I just feel like it has so much iconic stuff on it for a movie that for me is just kind of like, it's okay. And like, I think I get annoyed by things getting too much credit. That said, I'm going to have to go with Doc Brown on this one just because like, I'm oh. not super passionate about Dr. King Schultz. And it's a good, Dr. King Schultz has been in many of our podcasts before. I think he was on our hockey draft uh, or one of those drafts that we did. Was he? Yeah. I remember he, he was I... like a, a picking what position he was going to be for defense or something. I will say this. Had it been his Inglorious Bastards character, um, oh. then I would have picked him. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I think that goes without saying. I mean, I, I, I think we're not giving Do- uh, Dr. King Schultz enough credit as, as a character, even. Mm-hmm. Like, he had, like, I, I would compare him to, like, a Morpheus, obviously not as good, mm-hmm. but uh, he plays the same role. I think he played it really well, and he has, like, a, his own arc separate from Django. Yeah. I mean, he kind of falls into the trap of he could almost be like the main character, um, but I don't, just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> just disappointed. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> All right. So presumably in this conversation of Morpheus versus Doc Brown, you'll end up going Morpheus. Oh, me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go Morpheus too, to be honest with you, as far as like the two characters go i think morpheus is the stronger character overall i guess it, it makes me feel better that king schultz would have lost to morpheus as well anyway would you have <laughs> voted morpheus over king schultz sorry would you have voted morpheus over king schultz oh yeah no sorry yeah. that's what I, that's what i was saying like okay. regardless morpheus would have won 
So this brings us to a rather odd-looking final four of <laughs> Chewbacca, Samwise, Gamgee, Morpheus, and Mona Lisa Vito in there. I think one side is unsurprising. The other the... side is a little... I mean, honestly, the four most iconic characters in cinema. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's... Uh... Let's do the, the top two first. So Chewbacca versus Samwise Gamgee. Um, I have expressed my displeasure with Chewbacca previously, and I've expressed my love for Samwise, so I'm going to have the obvious vote for Samwise here. Oh, I thought we were going the other way. I thought it was going to be Chewbacca against Mona Lisa Vito. Um, I, I think it was supposed to be, and then I, I put the colors the certain way on this sheet that I'm looking <laughs> at, so yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'm also going to vote for Samwise. Samwise is going to be tough to beat. I'm going to I'm going to be honest here. Yeah, I mean, I have to go with Samwise too. Again, just looking at characters and arcs and stuff throughout the movies, Chewbacca is fun. He's great. He's iconic. But like, Samwise is Samwise, man. Like he's he uh, he holds that film on his back just like Frodo. I'm going to yeah. save all the the negative comments I have about Samwise, of which there are kind of few, but I'll save them <laughs> for, the, for the finals. Too hairy of feet. Let's just put it out there. <laughs> it's too bad no one else got on board with John Watson. I was willing to like argue John Watson versus Samwise at this point, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, different group of people for that. Um, and that brings us to the other half of the bracket, which is Mona Lisa Vito versus Morpheus. Does the Cinderella story continue? <laughs> I mean, just because I want to. I want to be a little bit contrarian here. I'm going to I'm going to go with that Cinderella story. I'm going to vote for Mona Lisa here in this case. I think her final speech at the end, um, which I wish I could do off the top of my head because I think it's so great. Uh, but I think I'm going to be outvoted anyways. So I'm going to go for Mona Lisa. That's who I'm going to vote for. I'm going to vote my heart. <laughs> in the in the earlier versions of our podcast, we would have people like we would have a break in the middle section where we'd have people like reenact their favorite scenes. So yeah. that would have been a, a good moment for that. Perfect, perfect time. <laughs> Paulo, what are your thoughts? Oh, Kyle, if Kyle didn't do that, I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be the single vote, uh, but not actually have her go ahead, didn't you? Right, right. I'm, right now I'm questioning if I'm okay with her going ahead, because now that's a possibility. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just lay it out there that I'm voting Morpheus. Um, I... You know, maybe if I watch it more recently, like I haven't watched my cousin Vinny in again probably fifteen, twenty years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I have more passion behind voting for Morpheus and more enjoyment sure. of that character that I'll I'll place my vote there. Nothing against Mona Lisa Vito, just yeah. So it's up to Paul. Not again. <laughs> um, All you need to do is you need to make a choice between one of the most dynamic, <laughs> uh, interesting, iconic characters of all time, and Morpheus. Not to mention the, my grade 11 law class uh, uh, schoolboy crush. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's, the, that's when I watched the movie. It was under, it was under our law uh, class. Marissa Tomei, by the way, n- not to reduce everything to looks, is still oh, looking like a great, great oh, yeah. <laughs> woman in her 50s. <laughs> A hundred percent. And of course, not taking away from the character. Still a great character. Why am I thinking so hard about this? Um, yeah. With your gut. <laughs> it's it's so much more fun to vote for Mona Lisa. <laughs> um, should I? It, 
makes a lot more sense to pick Morpheus. Oh, I should Final have voted answer. first. <laughs> I, I, I'm, oh, man. I can't help you out at all with this one. I know, I know. Can we talk about something else for a little while? <laughs> um, <laughs> Who, while we were talking about this, what is the one character that you feel like we just completely forgot to talk about this entire thing? Like that's included, but we didn't talk about? Or no, that we didn't even include. Like I, we mentioned Ocean's Eleven. I was like, how did we not have any Ocean's Eleven character on here on, on one of the best yeah. like ensemble? Like, I guess it's because there's no single character that jumps out in Ocean's Eleven. Like, I mean, there's yeah. so many good ones. Like that add up. That that's true. I think. I think slightly surprising is that there is just because there's such a big cultural touch point that there's not a single um, Marvel character in this bracket. I think Carson did that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I I put in the characters that you guys contributed. I only influenced like Klaus and a few others. That's true. Um, Um, If there was going to be one MCU character that you feel like tops the list, what would you put in? Well, okay, so it has to be supporting character. Um, probably like Rocket th- would be up there. Yeah, I was going to mention Drax or Rocket. Yeah, yeah, Ro- I, Rocket. I would have probably pushed for maybe more fervently, um, especially because I feel like I'm. Well, I'll just say this: I was like really positive on the latest Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and that was a movie I thought I was going to not like at all. So maybe I just had very low expectations going in, but I thought they did such a great job with that character throughout. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any others actually. Cause there, there's not really any aside from maybe roadie. I was uh, going to say roadie just cause he's a good supporting character. Yeah. yeah. Like you could say, uh, well, Bucky slash the winter soldier, but yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Loki. Well, Loki's more of a villain, but depending on this show, yeah, like that's where it gets maybe, hard. But yeah, there's too many. There's that's the problem with maybe the that's it. There's too many, and some of them be like our main characters, but then in other characters' movies, they're they're a side character. Mm-hmm. Um, the well, other so one, I guess, I would say that I'm I'm surprised with a little bit. I guess I, my head was not in the right space here, but as a big fan of the James Bond franchise. Um, oh. Like Q or Money Penny or M or any of those like classic like supporting characters that show up in almost every single film. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, you have to start deciding like which version of the character because they've been played by so many different people. I'm surprised (laughs) Han Solo didn't make the list here. Like Han Solo is kind of a supporting character. Mm. Yes. I guess that like that verges on like just potentially being a a main character himself, though. Yeah. Yeah, or we could uh, combine him with Chewbacca, and that would be a, just a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they are the galaxy's power couple. So yeah. Um, okay, sorry. I've, I'm done wasting time. I I cannot go with my heart all the time. I'm gonna pick Morpheus. Oh, the fairy tale comes to a close. Uh, I mean, it's it's an honorable showing from mm-hmm. Mona Lisa Vito. Um, it's it was already an upset for beating R two D two. That's right. Even though we were all in agreement for it. <laughs> See, she trashed R2-D2. She put the genie back in the bottle, but she could not pick the right pill for Morpheus. And we didn't even mention Cosmo Brown because of her. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's true. 
That leads us to our final battle of Samwise Gamgee versus Morpheus. I, I've been very supportive of Sam. I am curious. You said you had some negative thoughts on Samwise, uh, Apollo. So, what uh, what do you, what do you got for the the contradiction here? Because I feel like Samwise is kind of the favorite here. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I would say about Samwise and Frodo, like their whole um, storyline, uh, is probably the most fast forwarded parts of the of the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't know if maybe I'm, I'm uh, out to lunch here, but um, I, I, they were, pr their little thing was my least favorite part of those movies. I mean, obviously it was the most important part in a way, because that's the whole reason of the, the story for them to get to Mount Doom. Um, it was a kind of repetitive, their story just like, oh, for, oh, I can't do this anymore. No, you have to, I'm here with you. I'm your best friend. I love you, I'll, do, I'll help you do this. And then, you know, Gollum doing his thing. Um, You're just shedding kiss already, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, that's that's mostly it. Um, oh, I and... I think um, that's the kind of the, the interesting thing, is that Morpheus, uh, just, again, by sake of how he's written and how those movies are constructed, always kind of gets to be cool, even if he's being bested. He's so, like... <laughs> a cool character where I can understand some of the criticisms for both Frodo and Sam. It's like, boy, by that third hour of, uh, of return of the King, they're getting kind of whiny a little bit, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> See that? Yeah. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's just like, Oh God, I've had enough of this like best friend drama, uh, with this little gremlin getting in between you guys. Maybe Schmeagle should eat you. Maybe that would <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I kind of um, disagree. Like Return of the King is, in my opinion, where that kind of takes over in the franchise. Like Two Towers, it's like they're just walking around. There's not a whole lot going around. Yeah. But like Return of the King, that's where, you know, Samwise gets to raid the Orc Tower and turn into a badass. Mm -hmm. That's also where he's been told to go home. And he has that little sad moment of like defeat and then like realizing he was wrong and turning back. And it's like he has a lot of kind of like more nuanced character drama in that last movie. Whereas like, yeah, the first two, he's kind of just like, I'm your best friend and I'm going to follow along type thing. Mr. Frodo, yeah, I'm. Here's my another small digression, but I'm always so fascinated by people's answers. So of the trilogy, I'm only talking about theatrical and not extended versions, but of the three, what is your favorite? Just as a movie to watch. Easy. Like, so we talked about this recently when we were talking about Dune, because one of my biggest mm -hmm. issues with Dune is it's not a complete movie, which, you know, the counter argument to that would be, you know, there's all these movies that are, you know, you know, Lord of the Rings is three, you know, movies as, as a larger story, mm -hmm. but Fellowship of the Ring works as its own movie. Like, e even though there's still more story that goes at the end, there's a lot of character arcs and a lot of character dramas that kind of come to a conclusion and it works as a single movie that also works as a thing launching into a larger story. Um, mm -hmm. That almost kind of ruins I, yeah, other mean, movies for me that don't do that well. I think it's such a great point because this is, this year, like in the year 2023, there's at least three films I know of that are like part one. Mm -hmm. And um, of the two that I've seen, which is the Fast 10 and the <laughs> Spider-Verse movie, um, both of them feel like, okay, well, we've gotten to the midpoint and now you're just wrapping it up. Unlike uh, Fellowship, I'll also throw in like Empire Strikes Back into that conversation, which technically does end on a cliffhanger, but still feels like it has wrapped up all the storylines it's set up yeah. in that movie. It doesn't feel like it's telling half of a story. 
um, which I also felt for Dune. It's like, I like this movie, but it's half a movie. Like, I, I haven't seen what the full movie is yet. So it's really hard to evaluate, um, which is why I always blow people's minds when I say that just as a thing to throw on and watch, I actually really love The Two Towers, which is not that at all. It's literally like the middle point of the two uh, uh, beginning and end pieces. That was actually going to be my choice as well. I mean, I'm I'm less concerned with. I mean, it, it, sure, I I recognize that sometimes it's frustrating when the movie that you're watching does not end, uh, or technically does not end. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two towers, I think, just because of I've always liked just watching uh, everything around Rohan. Um, especially I like the Helm's Deep battle. I think that's just the big thing for me. I just love 100%. that whole sequence. Yeah um that um i think it's also more because um in uh the return of the king there's about an hour of it wrapping up that i feel like i don't didn't really need i've always felt the same way too and i always hate saying that (laughs) is like it's kind of my least favorite not that i think it's bad again Mm -hmm. but it's like yeah it's it's a full hour of wrap-up stuff okay like (laughs) Which Great, is still but... even shorter than what the books have for a wrap up. Like I it's know. a condensed True. wrap up. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also in like the two towers, like some of the moments in there, um, just like the whole, like the swell when they're about to just ride out to to mm-hmm. potential death, um, and it's just so like uplifting and kind of badass. Uh, that mm-hmm. like of the the three movies, I think that was the the biggest. Um, uh uplift not uh, i don't know about uplifting but those kind of moments you it's know rousing right yeah. yeah rousing thank you yeah <laughs> english I, this is i i say all this and i'm actually very excited for the second dune movie to come out because i think hopefully uh it'll wrap up everything in a nice compact way and then i can watch both of them at the same time <laughs> I, i'm <laughs> yeah. curious as to if they actually end it at the end of the book because the well, second is, book is so yeah. much more interesting that it's like you could just keep it going if you wanted to. Yeah, that's the that's the eternal question. Like, if it does well, of course they'll make another sequel to it. But like, how? I, I, I mean, granted, I've only ever read the original Dune. I've actually not read any of the sequels to it. But having read synopses of them, it's like it gets to such a crazy place. It's like our general audience is going to be able to go along with mm-hmm. just how crazy those books get. Having not read the books, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> um, but yeah, how did we get here? <laughs> we we were this talking about a, yeah yeah. Go ahead. The 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 detractions of uh, Samwise oh, Gamgee versus right, Morpheus. Right. Yeah, and you know what? Even adding to our love of our shared love of the two towers, um, I think uh, the saga between Frodo and uh, Sam was probably like the least amount of that movie. Yeah. Um, but the question I guess is the now. flip side of this is like, okay, so we're looking at Samwise as being in all three films. Uh, there's been four Matrix movies that have been made. So what are our feelings on on that series? Uh, Paulo loves the most recent Matrix. I'm just going to try to <laughs> ignore that movie because Morpheus is technically a different character in that. Yeah, He's like a version of Morpheus. Weird. So I can justify ignoring that movie. Um, I am a... I don't know what you call it, but I actually like Matrix 2 and 3. I think that's a fantastic trilogy that has some unfortunately odd and weird special effects for the time. But as a larger story of what 
you know, the, the story they're trying to tell around Neo is much more, int- like, is, is a pretty interesting story. Morpheus does take a backseat for, for Matrix 2 and 3. Um, like, his best part is obviously in the first Matrix movie, although he's still, like, kind of there. Um, mm. But I, like, people will bring up Matrix 2 and 3 as reasons to not like these characters, and for me, they're fantastic movies. Not, I mean, yeah, not fantastic, I, I feel but like good. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I don't know how... Um you know, counter of an opinion this is to most. Like, again, First Matrix, one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. Blew my mind when I saw it in the theaters or when it originally came out. I am a big fan of the direct sequel. I think that's a great action film. I do feel a little bit let down with the third um, for a whole host of different reasons. Uh, Some characters, I feel, start acting almost like weirdly uh, based on how they've been acting up until that point um the fourth one is the interesting one i'd actually like to hear paulo what you, <laughs> what your defense is because um what that movie did for me is that intellectually i felt i understood what it was trying to communicate and then reading up interviews and behind the scenes and stuff intellectually it's like that's a really cool idea but <laughs> watching the movie i don't know if i fully got to that point yeah like i like the idea of why they were making it and how they made it if that makes any if that makes sense oh yeah no for sure i get that and i I read some of that stuff too that like after i watched the movie and i had made my mind up that i enjoyed it um and it it added a little bit to it um that being said it still didn't make a whole lot of sense to me um i think we're on the same page there um i still don't understand everything about morpheus in the fourth Mm -hmm. one um that being said i think it's it's mostly novelty just of i found it parts of it to just be hilarious some of it unintentionally hilarious um yes so i i think i enjoyed it as an experience more than like the movie itself and what it was trying to do which i still understand Mm -hmm. to a certain extent um just certain things like um merovingian showing up again as like a raving lunatic like a raving homeless lunatic um and like them fighting the cast of stomp while he's just yelling at them (laughs) that was like i was howling and um also um the he plays the king of england in uh uh, hamilton uh i forget his name jonathan um, groff yes jonathan groff yes him playing him switching from uh neo's boss to uh like a stand-in for agent smith was really i i I don't know why it was so funny for me when it was like raining in their office because the fire alarm had gone off and then he just out of nowhere he's like he goes from what's going on in here to uh mr anderson and he just goes full agent smith out of nowhere um i think yeah there's like stuff like that like weird choices i think just really made me enjoy it so yeah i'm Um, a big fan of jonathan groff by the way but yeah yeah. it's a that movie is messy and I kind of like messy movies in a way. Cause like, Hey, you're trying something. And I, yeah. I kind of respect that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a recurring theme for me and Carson. Like just, a, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that Carson, I don't think will ever understand why I like it. No matter how much like I wonder woman. This is one being a good example. <laughs> okay. Well, I won't get onto that bandwagon, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> that one, I, I will, I'll die on that hill as well. I don't, <laughs> I'm just, I don't care. <laughs> you and the five other people that are on that hill. <laughs> you, you can't tell me that Wonder Woman 
solving all the conflict in the world by telling them like be good people yeah. <laughs> is is not hilarious um uh anyways sorry i've we're, i'm way off track now um <laughs> And that is why we're crowning Wonder Woman as our best supporting <laughs> character. Um, yeah, I think I mean, honestly, I after we... this discussion, I'm I'm gonna vote Morpheus. To be honest with you, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Morpheus than I was at the beginning of the conversation. Like, yeah, it's a good point that for me, I, like, I think it's the opposite of you. That like, I actually really like the Return of the King, but even just like remembering mm -hmm. what they were like in Two Towers, it's like, yeah, it takes a long time for that story to pick up. But then Morpheus is also kind of the opposite that he does. I, I can't, I just can't remember as much about what he was doing in two and three, but it, I remember at like the end, he's not actually, now I remember the speech he gave in two and that's, that's a good yeah. moment. He's dancing at that underground yeah. wave. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. He does a lot more cool stuff, that's for sure. But he also goes through like his ex his whole existential crisis when he finds out uh, Neo apparently isn't the one, and he has like his whole like rut. Um, and then he quickly follows that up with uh, murdering uh, an agent with a samurai sword. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, I I th I'm gonna be okay with picking Morpheus just on pure cool factor. Love it. I'm gonna get on board with the Morpheus train. So yeah, in a in a decision that I didn't think I'd be going with at the end, I'm also gonna go Morpheus and Samwise Gamgee. Sorry, you're getting silver medal on this one. <laughs> I mean, that's honorable. Spartan kicked into Mountain Dew, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Morpheus crowned the uh, the best sidekick in cinematic history. Thank you all for participating this. in this uh, in this <laughs> challenge. Uh, we are going to end off our episodes as we usually do, um, if we've remembered to do it, by talking about one movie that's coming out in the coming days, weeks, months-ish uh, that we're looking forward to coming out with. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to soon? So, what I'm the most looking forward to is the head-to-head -head battle that is happening on July 21st of this summer. I could not be more excited by the fact that Oppenheimer and Barbie are opening <laughs> up on the same exact day and I will be watching both of them. <laughs> and I'm going to be so interested to see just box office wise, ticket sales wise, where that goes. I feel like I'm in a bubble uh, where Barbie seems to have a lot more energy behind it but we'll see actually on the actual day um on whether that is is true or not i'm excited for both of them i just want to be very clear i'm like really excited for both of those films I, i'm curious about barbie i don't know if i'm gonna end up liking it. i don't know if i want to go see it in theaters but as someone who mm -hmm. really enjoyed the lego movie um mm -hmm. as like the ability to capture the spirit of something and tell its own story um, and I think there's a lot of trust that goes into Greta Gerwig that says like, okay, her being the one to tackle it, I'll give a little bit more credibility to than I probably would have. That That is literally like 95% of the reason I'm excited for it is I've <laughs> been such a huge fan of Greta Gerwig's other films. Uh, and I think the, the Lego movie comparison is the best one, right? It's like, talk about a movie where I was like, Lego movie, come on. Like, I was so like... <laughs> thumbs down on this film and then i was drugged to it i'm like uh this is actually kind of great yeah <laughs> this is really fun 
And again, a lot of that on the strength of Phil Lord and Chris Miller. So like right. a good filmmaker, they're taking it over. I also am a bit wary because I've tried to like predict what movies I think are really going to be good. And good filmmakers coming into their third and fourth movie, it seems like there's a big cliff that they can fall off sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. I just watched Bo is Afraid, which I think is Ari Aster's third. Uh, I would describe so that bad. as maybe falling I, off a cliff. Oh, well, here's here's my opinion on Bo is Afraid. Not that anyone really asked, but uh, <laughs> I actually truly do think the first 40, I may even say up to 50 minutes, I was kind of on board with. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of great. And then it goes up such a cliff for me where I'm like, okay, can we can we end this? I I was really disappointed in that movie. I, I was mostly on board. I'm a huge fan of Charlie Kaufman and just yeah, having him sure. see something like he does that same type of thing, but is able to wrap it in a bow at the end where I feel like yeah. Bo was afraid did not have a bow. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, just uh. To, to kind of bring the conversation full circle thing I'm looking forward to is the one of the two that you're looking forward to, which is Oppenheimer. Um, I heard it described today as a horror movie, which makes me all the more interested in it because yeah. to see like the only thing that I'm worried about is it becomes like too historic, too much, just like, Hey, here's the events that happened. But you know, Christopher Nolan, obviously a fantastic director, and I'm hoping he has, like, it being a horror movie or it being just something a little more stylish just kind of pushes it over the edge for me is, like, something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also looking forward to those, but I can't pick them, obviously, because you both did. Um, so I'm, I'm going with The Last Voyage of the De Demeter. Oh, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's, the, I mean, it's just Dracula on on a on a boat. Um, do you, like do you know boat. why they're, I don't know why they're making this movie, but like, I oh, don't know. Sorry. I have no idea about anything about okay. this movie. So in the original, in the original novel Dracula, um, which is a great book and everyone should read it, but in the original novel Dracula, there's like I forget like a a, a small sentence or a couple sentence passage about the ship called the Demeter, which arrived in port with all of the crew killed. So it's just a little line from novel Dracula that they're now making into an entire film. So this is actually based mm -hmm. from the original source material, which is what makes me very excited about it. Okay. There's a bit of the, the English expertise coming out. The... Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was just completely sold on kind of the, like we're trapped on a boat and there's a, a monster here. Um, kind of like that kind of thing. And, um, uh, polka dot man is in it. David right. Das to cannot pronounce his last name, but, um, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other person I think to, to keep an eye on is the actor Corey Hawkins, who's in this movie, um, who will also be in the, uh, <laughs> adaptation of the color purple that's coming out this year as well, based on the musical, the color purple. Uh, I think he's going to be a big star by the end of this year personally just with these two projects that's my prediction my bold prediction mm -hmm. i'm putting out there oh Corey hawkins he um yeah i know him he was in uh the remake of black, 24 yeah and he was in black Klansman in a very small yes. role yeah yeah cool I, I remember hearing about that movie and thinking it was going to be like the worst thing ever and then by i think the trailer had come out um and by the time i got to the end i was like oh this might actually be like a real movie um yeah right <laughs> The thing is more exciting to me, like this BS movie, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually kind of sold on this. This might be fun. <laughs> we we recently did an episode on Asylum movies, like the Asylum Studios, mm -hmm. and I think yep. I had those kind of like 
Dracula vampire ripoff movies in my head when I started seeing it. I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's what I was expecting. So obviously, easy to surprise that. That's the thing. Like horror has a has a history of that. I'm I'm because of another podcast I listen to. They're going through every horror film ever made in chronological order. So we're like just entering the 1960s on their podcast. And uh, the 50s especially has so many like just low budget, like no production value, just terrible monster films like, oh, let's have a, a vampire in it, I guess. And it's like sometimes you see those even made today. It's like, well, we have five dollars. Let's make this uh, horror movie. And I guess it'll work. And um, most of the time it doesn't for me. This is, this is going on a bit of a tangent, but uh, just knowing that you're talking about the history of horror movies, are you upset at what the potential of what the dark universe could have been um, versus the failure that um, it was? Here's the thing. I think the idea of the dark universe is cool. I actually do think it's a cool idea to have uh, some of the, the universal films back again in the 30s and 40s kind of did. They just did not care about continuity at all. So that, that was the difference. But it's like, yeah, let's have, uh, you know, Dracula show up in this Frankenstein movie and then have the Wolfman show up. So like that, the, the idea of the dark universe of having all of these, this IP from universal and their history crossing over is kind of cool. My pet peeve, and this is kind of <laughs> come, comes full circle to the uh, Sherlock Holmes complaint that I had from before it's that they didn't make them horror films. Like the mummy was uh, not a horror film. It was an action film. It's like, but that's, that's not what this is supposed to be. This was going to be a horror franchise. And that's what kind of frustrated me, um, which is basically failed. And then they abandoned that concept completely. I, I think it would have killed if they tried doing it in like the nineties um, mm, before mm-hmm. they had like the Marvel universes and like the DC yeah. universe. And it was just like, it was the first one. And they were like, making it i don't know just doing their own thing maybe a little more horror horror oriented as well yeah but it that would have been like such an amazing idea back then mm-hmm. um unfortunately it's just mishandled now <laughs> right I, yeah i had heard somewhere that they were gonna try and attempt at it after the invisible man movie ended up being good and i was hoping yeah. that they were gonna get back because like that style you know these kind of mythical creatures but kind of done up with i don't want to say technology because you want to explore like the horror and the mythology and all that but like yeah. i 100 percent would have been on board with the dark universe in the style of what that movie was i agree yeah i, I think that's a good uh, um comparison right it's like don't don't worry so much about the shared universe at first worry about making the movie good and then okay how do we now cross this over I thought that was such a great idea of making the Invisible Man movie basically being about the horror of domestic abuse. It's not mm. a fun topic to talk about. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like, oh, that's a really cool concept. It's like a theme mm-hmm. to explore. So, yeah, more stuff like that. Agreed. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thanks for joining us. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, I'll lead off with a teaser on one of our next, either next or upcoming episodes. We were talking about Oppenheimer. Uh, we are going to be doing a review on Oppenheimer as well as talking about our top 10 or 11-ish Christopher Nolan movies. Uh, so we'll be talking about his filmography. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Thank and check you. out uh, Kyle and Dave versus the Machine if uh, you haven't already and you're listening right now and you've made it this far. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we'll put the the information in in our Instagram post when we excellent when we post it. Perfect. Thank you so much.
Awesome. Thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, check out our next episode soon.